Hey, this is John Gunter. I'm the preaching minister at the Eagle Community Church of Christ here in Mont Bellevue, Texas. Again, we're thankful that you found our podcast, and we want to invite you to come see us anytime. Uh, you can check us out online, eaglechurchofchrist.com. You can find out about anything you need to know there. Today we talk about baptism. Now, there are a lot of questions about what baptism is, what it does, and, and what I try to do in this sermon is try to answer those questions. Uh, what, what my goal was uh, in this sermon was to just kind of simply lay out what Scripture says about baptism. There are a lot of uh, discussions we've had, mainly because of you know, many of our traditions, and especially when they differ from each other. Uh, is it okay to sprinkle? Uh, you know, do you have to be immersed? Uh, is baptism a, a work? Is it something you have to do and, and therefore somehow earn your salvation? So there are a lot of little questions, lots of little things we like to kind of argue about. And all I wanted to do for my church in this one is just kind of take us through and look at Scripture and, and, see, um, and see what we could find there. And I'll just warn you right now, uh, sometimes there are exceptions to what seems to be normative. And so we've got to say, all right, what do we do with this? All right, so I'm going to take you back to Scripture today. I do want to give you one more warning. I mentioned Colossians 3, which is similar in some aspects to the Scripture I should have put, which is Galatians 3. So when you get to that part of the podcast, just think Galatians 3, uh, and you won't be lost there. But anyway, again, thanks for tuning in, and I hope this is helpful. Uh, I'd love to answer any more questions that you might have. You can reach out anytime. Uh, you can email me from the website, and that'll be just fine. So again, thanks for joining us and have a great week. We'll see you. Um, but uh, but I, I so enjoy learning the new songs. We'll, we'll learn that one. We'll sing it with you. Um, this morning, uh, we're going to talk about uh, baptism. And we're going to start in the book of Acts. Uh, that's something you, you're probably all familiar with. But as Luke writes the book of Acts, he begins, you know, he ends with uh, his gospel of Luke, uh, with Jesus uh, already being resurrected. And as you start the book of Acts, it's interesting because you see kind of the aftermath of all of this. Uh, you, you think about all the things that led up to Jesus' death. You, uh, you think about um, uh, even the Pharisees when they come together and they're worried about all of the followers of Jesus and what are they going to do? And you have, uh, you have this uh, leader of the Pharisees say, listen, if it is, you, you know, we've had so many people come before and when their leader died or, you know, when something happened, they disbanded. And so he, he encourages them. He's like, listen, this is probably, this may just go away. He said, but, you know, watch out because if this is from God, you're not going to be able to stop it no matter what happens. And so when you come into the book of Acts, that's, that's what you're coming into. What's going to happen now? Is this all going to fall apart? What's going to happen? And so uh, you have a lot of interesting things that, uh, quite frankly, we're not real comfortable with. Uh, you have these, these flaming tongues come down on the, the, uh, the disciples there, and all of a sudden what you're hearing is different languages spoken to different people from all over uh, the, the area there. And the people are amazed, thinking, I can hear this in my own tongue, and aren't these just regular fishermen? And, and I think about that as, uh, you know, where we're from or where I'm from. You go to that place, and you can tell uh, you know, you meet somebody like, oh, yeah, I know they are from there. Uh, we visited Florida one time, and this was my first awakening to my, 
terrible accent. And so we were waiting in a, in a line uh, there in, I don't know, one of the theme parks. And somebody came up and they said, Arkansas, right? <laughs> yes. And so I immediately thought, oh, no, I, I am, I'm very regionalized. And, and so my, my sister actually got upset with me because once I went off to Fayetteville, uh, you know, that's a, that's a different part of our state and it's a different demographic and you have people from all over come in. And so my, my uh, accent kind of changed. And so when I'd come back and lead singing, instead of saying 655, you know, I, I, like I was used to doing, you know, I said my number's different. My sister's like, why are you doing that? Uh, that's not how you say things, which is funny because, you know, she, she's now an orthopedic surgeon and she does not talk like she used to either. Uh, so I, uh, I like to bring things like that up, you know, uh, to a sister who knew everything uh, in the first place. Uh, so you, you see these men, uh, you know, that are just doing some amazing things in the moment. And they're, they're all trying to wrap their head around it. And even the people looked at them and thought, you know, these people must be drunk. You remember that part? Isn't that interesting? They must be drunk. And so we begin this morning with uh, what Peter says uh, to these people as he's looking out. He says, fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. Now, uh, what I left out and what you probably already know is that Peter stands up with the rest of the group, and he begins to preach to these people, okay? And this is, this is part of what he says. I'm, I'm not, uh, we don't have enough time to, uh, to read all of it. He says, uh, the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. You can go see it. You know where David is buried. He says, but he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. You see the setup for what Peter's doing here. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Now, you all thought he was, they, we're all drunk, right? You all thought we just got up in the morning and we just got started on the sauce early, right? We ran to the, ran to the liquor store and, and we just we just tearing it up. He said, but no, what you're seeing right here is actually the promised Holy Spirit. I think you can't explain it. It sounds like gibberish to you, but it's actually another language, okay? And so he's saying, all right, this is part of what, what Jesus promised all of us, and that is what he has received, and he's now at the right hand of the Father. It says, for David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucify, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see that? And you will also kind of partake in the same thing. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 
So today we talk about baptism. We talk about, uh, you hear me every week, and, and I'm very conscious that uh, maybe not in this group, but in our, our collective group, that we have different people from different backgrounds. And what I want to do today, just to kind of uh, lay it out there, is to, at the end of this sermon, number one, I'm going to understand by the time on the clock whether I should have made it two sermons. But at the end of this sermon, I, I want you to be able to go away and know, okay, well, this is, this is what baptism means, you know, to the biblical writers. This is why that we talk about it so much. And we, we've probably done a pendulum swing away from talking about baptism more. Now, I mention it all the time, but uh, you remember probably in the past, that was like, uh, we're going to talk about it for 10 minutes every sermon almost. If we have a gospel meeting, we're going to gather a bunch of baptized people together and talk about baptism right? And, and so it, it kind of felt like, all right, we're, we're killing this thing. Uh, but, but now maybe we've pendulum swung maybe a little bit away from it. And so when we leave today, I want you to be confident in knowing what the Bible is, is saying that happens through baptism, okay? And uh, you can let me know whether or not you leave confused or, or helped by this. All right. So what does baptism mean slash do within Scripture. I'm going to give you a list of things, and I, I, I tried to uh, intentionally put it on the screen enough to where if you're taking notes that you, you're not going to miss anything. Number one, it connects to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Now, you've heard me uh, as I end a lot of my sermons to talk about you know, that we are connected to that. I say it in different ways at different times. But we are connected through baptism through, to the death burial and resurrection. You think about how we baptize, okay, going down and then coming back up, uh, and that's symbolic of Jesus, death, burial, and resurrection. We'll read that from Romans 6, and I actually started uh, at the first of the, uh, the chapter there. Uh, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? And you've heard me talk about this lately. Paul encounters some people here who, when we talk about sinning as Christians, these people thought, you know what we can do? We can help God out. We can help show how merciful and gracious God is, and we can do so by going on sinning. So we can show how gracious God is. Just look at how terrible my life is, but God is gracious. He'll save me. And so I'm going to intentionally go live uh, just a life out in the world to do whatever I want to so that I can help God out. You know, that's, a, that's an attitude issue, isn't it? And so that's what Paul's addressing there. But he says, by no means should we do that. By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So how can we just give our lives back to sin once we have died to it? You hear that death right there, right? So verse 3, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been uh, united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. So you see, completely tying this back to Jesus. Again, I've highlighted it there. Baptized into Christ Jesus. How do you get into Christ? We are baptized into Christ Jesus. Uh, you were also baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into uh, death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And, and hopefully you're seeing this, I'm making these hand gestures. You know, you, you, see, you see it going on, right? 
And that's what Paul is pointing to. You see, all right, that is what we are tying this to as you give your life over to Jesus, as you enter into Christ. That is exactly uh, what is happening there. So number one, again, connects to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Number two, uh, what baptism does is, is you see at the time of baptism, you get a forgiveness of sins and no more debt. Uh, Paul uses this language uh, quite a bit of, of kind of a, uh, uh, you're keeping a tally, this, this financial, almost financial uh, thing where, you know, it's, it's debits and credits. And, and so that's what the language he uses in Colossians 2, uh, verses 9 through 15. And I may have included even more than what I'm going to read here. But Colossians 2, he says, For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. A couple of things I want you to see there. Uh, one of the things people will say is, and we'll talk about this in just a few minutes, uh, is, is kind of like baptism is a work. Well, no, baptism is a work of God, is what you see here. This is a working of God. There's, there's nothing special. There's nothing magical about the water that we go into. Uh, we can go over to somebody's pool or hot tub today, and we can baptize everyone. And unless you, uh, you know, you're trying to enter Jesus, you're, you're calling on God in this moment is what Scripture will say. Calling on God is, is what baptism is. Uh, that's, nothing's happening. We're just getting wet, right? And if we do it this morning, we're getting cold too. Uh, but, but right here, you're seeing this is a this is something that is um, this is tied to this the circumcision. This is tied to kind of a, a bigger narrative as well, and we'll talk about that uh, a little bit more. When you were dead in your sins and in the in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away nailing it to the cross. So you see what we're talking about here. And that is where you get this forgiveness of sins, which we read in Acts 2 just a few minutes ago. Uh, but Paul says, having canceled this charge of legal indebtedness, you stood against God. Okay, and we, when the last series we just finished up, remember when we, when we sin in Christ, we have Jesus as our advocate. Do you remember that? Hopefully that brings some, uh, some encouragement to you that, that Jesus stands between us and God saying, I paid for this. But before we come into Christ, what you see is, uh, we, as Paul puts it, we kind of had this legal indebtedness to God that nobody has, has covered at this point until you choose to follow uh, Jesus. And again, it's nailed to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. He's just adding some, the, the death of Jesus for the Romans was a very uh, it was looked at as, you know, the lowest of the low. You know, this is something that was very shameful. But Paul is saying, no, the, the cross is what brought all of this about, okay? I don't know why we get static in just that one. I'm sorry if you're, you're, you're hearing that. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure you're tired of it. We may have a big crew on this side next, uh, uh, next service. So number one connects to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Number two 
as we read in Acts 2 and Colossians 2, we see forgiveness of sins and no more death. Okay, number three, baptism is where we are clothed with Christ. So the thought of putting on Jesus, okay, that we are going to be in Christ, that we are going to be clothed with Christ, uh, and that is in Colossians 3, just that next chapter that we were, uh, we were in the book of Colossians. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through what? Faith. Remember, when we talk about some of these terms, don't just, don't just think of a very simple view. Uh, are you saved by faith? The answer is yes, but it's a fullness of your faith. It's a faith that leads to something. It's a faith that says, okay, I want to follow you, so I'm going to do what you, you want me to do. So faith, uh, so my belief, my faith makes me say, hey, what am I going to do here? And as we read there in Acts 2, just like the people said, Peter's response is what? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, right? And so that is a full faith. That is not just saying, oh, I believe. That is saying, I believe, I trust, and so I'm going to do. What do I need to do to make this right? So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. So how do you clothe yourself with Christ? Church? Baptism, okay. So for all of you who are baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. And so that's what we see here, is if you want to clothe yourself, you want to be into Jesus, you have got to, again, be baptized. And again, that's nothing special about the water. I don't want anybody leaving here thinking, oh, we've got mystical water. But no, it's about our faith just being shown, being worked out right in front of people. And I'm choosing this day to follow Jesus. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Okay, and what, what Paul is doing there, do you remember in some of the books that he writes, some of the letters he writes, that he is dealing with people who are either circumcision or uncircumcision, right? Big arguments about, okay, yeah, you, you know Jesus, but you better be circumcised. You, you basically, what some people's argument is, is that you need to become basically Jewish and then follow Jesus. And what Paul is saying is like through this baptism, what we've read, is you, you experience in Colossians 2 a circumcision not performed by hands. You know, this is this, this kind of a spiritual circumcision which ties you you know, to everyone else. And so that's what we see here. And so we're all the same. There is no uh, difference in, in any of us, no matter where we come from, whether we're Jew or Gentile or whatever, right? And, and so that's how we, uh, we join in this whole group that, uh, as I talk about, even as we go to the Old Testament, this is our story. Because we have been joined to that story through our baptism, through our choosing to follow Jesus. This becomes our history and our story. Number four, it ties to the larger context of Scripture, and you've seen that through uh, what we just talked about with circumcision. Uh, but in 1 Peter 3, 18 through 22, now, this is one of those Scriptures where if you're in a Bible class, a lot of times the, uh, the teacher will read it, and they'll say, I don't know what that means or what do we do with it, uh, so we're going to skip it. <laughs> so so uh, let's just read it, and you'll know what I'm talking about. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits. Anybody good with that? You got that figured out? 
Okay, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge, and that's in the NIV, but that word does not mean pledge, it means appeal. Um, that appeal of a clear conscience toward God. Now, we don't really know what to do with Jesus went and preached to the spirits. I'm good with it. Jesus wants to do it. I'm fine with it. Now, what do we do with it now? I don't know. Uh, Does that still go on? Was that a one-time thing? I don't know. Uh, I'm going to leave it right there where Peter said it, and, uh, you know, you guys can can go with it. But, But Peter ties this baptism back to the grand narrative of Scripture. You remember Noah and how he was saved through the water. This water came and and did some things, and Noah was saved through it. The same way you are saved, this, ba- this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. And again, uh, I think what he's trying to say is exactly what I've been saying. Uh, you know, not because the water somehow cleanses your body or, or cleans you up, but that you, you have between you and God now a clear conscience of everything is all right now. I am his, right? And that's the way we think about it. Um, I, I baptized several people who, who wanted to be rebaptized. Most of them were baptized when they were really young, and then later they're like, I don't know if I knew anything. And, you know, that's a discussion for a different day, you know, rebaptism and everything. Uh, but this is the verse I come to, and I'm like, well, you know, baptism is all about having this clear conscience between you and God. And so if you feel like this is what I need to do now, even though I've been baptized, like, I, like my conscience is just not clear what are you hurting, you know? You know, join Jesus and proclaim again, I am going to follow you and have that clear conscience, which I think Peter is saying here, that you live your life understanding that that relationship between me and God uh, is in good standing, okay? And it says, it saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Again, Paul pointed towards the cross. Now, uh, Peter is saying, all right, well, the cross and this resurrection, because Jesus was raised, if Jesus was just dead and nothing happened, well, that ends there, doesn't it? But the resurrection of Jesus is, is what saves you here. Now, again, we, we all often kind of put so much focus on baptism that we leave Jesus out, I believe. Okay? It's the resurrection of Jesus that makes it worth anything. Okay? And it says, who has gone into heaven is it, and is it God's right hand with the angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Again, I don't want us to walk out of here today with some kind of legalistic understanding that baptism is a, is a check mark and, you know, this is one thing I have to do. It's on my to-do list. But baptism is something because of Jesus. Uh, and we have to always remember that. So number four, it ties to the larger context of Scripture. Uh, number five, baptism is where we receive the Holy Spirit. And we read this uh, earlier. We'll read it one more time. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children and for all those who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So when do you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? When do you receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? At baptism. Okay, I I do want to recognize that that is not always the case in Scripture. Do you understand this? Okay, I want you to think about uh, the story of Cornelius. Okay, there are exceptions to this. Cornelius 
uh, receive the Spirit, and Peter said, hey, he's received the same Spirit that we all have. And then they baptized him. Okay, and so I don't want you to think, hey, 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 this is only the way God can work. You've heard me say it before that I don't want to ever stand between God and somebody and tell God what he can or cannot do, right? I'm not interested in that at all. And so we, we understand and we recognize that those are exceptions in Scripture. Now, I would, I would say that there was an exception because there needed to be an exception in this point, okay? Uh, Peter needed to understand very clearly that it wasn't just Jews, that God did truly love everyone else and had included everyone else. You remember Peter's dream uh, of this thing coming down, and he understands that dream to mean, okay, these things are clean now, okay? And, and so we want to, when we come to something like this, I want to recognize, I have no intention of ignoring, sometimes there are exceptions, and I'm okay with that. I've got no problem with it. But as we read in Scripture, uh, Peter is telling them, that's when you receive this Holy Spirit, when you give your life uh, to Jesus. And if God wants to use an exception on that, that's fine with me. All right? And number, uh, so number six, tied, it is tied to discipleship. Uh, in Matthew 28, we call this the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. So part of making disciples is to baptize them, right? Okay, and what are we doing in baptism? All the things we've talked about before, right? We're putting on Jesus. We're, we're tying ourselves to the larger narrative of Scripture. Uh, we're doing all the things we have just mentioned. That's a part of becoming a disciple. It's to decide, I am going to do all of these things. Okay, and it says, in teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. These are the words of Jesus here. And Jesus tells us to do these things, and so uh, that's a part of our great commission uh, to go and do those things as well. Now, again, we have to focus on the bigger picture. It's not, again, a legalistic understanding of, ah, we just want to get them baptized, because I think our churches have done uh, in a lot of instances, a pretty poor job. Like we're okay with getting people baptized, but then we don't know what to do after that. It's kind of like we celebrate the baptism and then what happens, okay? And we, we don't really walk with people as much. We're like, hey, they're, they're saved. Now what, you know? And, and so I want to see this as a part of discipleship, as what Jesus says, continue teaching them. Help them understand what they're supposed to do. And so uh, that's a part of our, our call as well. So it is tied uh, to discipleship. And I put this all on, I scrunched it down. Yeah, it made it on there. I wasn't sure if it would all uh, be on there in case you missed anything. And so we could actually keep going on some of these things. We could expand it. Uh, we could talk more in depth. But I wanted to kind of uh, to end this in a different way and talk about uh, what the word baptism is. Okay, I don't want to really talk Greek with you. Uh, no, I don't think anybody has fun when that happens, but you see the word under baptism there is baptizo, and that, that's the Greek word for baptized. And so baptism is a transliteration of the word baptizo. So all that means is we didn't translate it, okay? We tried to take an English word that sounds like the Greek word, okay? And, and something similar to this in Scripture is deacon, uh, what is it, diakonon? Diakonos is uh, 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 the singular there. And, and so you, hear de you almost hear deacon out of that. 
And, and so sometimes we choose not to translate a word. And so baptizo is what we just don't translate it, which it, it literally means, okay, to immerse, to dip. And this was 400 years before, I mean, B.C. This is a 400 years before Christ type of thing where this word meant to immerse. And so that's what it means. If we translated it instead of transliterated it, all we would see there is, is when Peter is preaching, repent and be immersed, okay, and you receive the forgiveness of your sin. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, okay? Do you see where transliterating instead of trans, translating it has caused problems in our world, okay? So we, we've done things like sprinkling and uh, different things um, that we, we call it baptism and is it baptism, now, again, I, wanna, I, wanna, I don't want to cast like judgment on that because I know us and I know we have some traditions and even when they don't really stand in Scripture, we're pretty, pretty uh, happy to have them. And so if we were raised thinking, all right, sprinkling is a part of baptism, we'd probably defend that pretty well. But baptism and what you saw in my, my hand gestures that you probably got tired of is an immersion. It is a, is a death, burial, and resurrection you're coming out of. And so had we translated it, uh, I think it would have been uh, a lot less uh, confusing for people. But at the time when uh, the Bible was finally translated into English, you already had people sprinkling and things like that. So it was almost uh, partly political, you know, because you already have people doing this. If we translate this immersion, there's going to be some problems. And if you don't understand Bible translation, (laughs) when people first started trying to put it into common language, they were killed for it. Okay, different groups of Catholic Church would, uh, would kill somebody over trying to translate it because you were supposed to get that information, you know, from the priest or from the pope or whoever. And so it was a big deal. This was not without consequence. This was not just a, a, a light decision is what I'm trying to say there. And so baptism means uh, to immerse. And, and thirdly, baptism is almost always used in the passive tense or the passive voice you may uh, think about. Uh, so when Peter says there in Acts 2, he says, repent and what? Be baptized. You see how that's a passive thing. Now, uh, you ever heard the argument that, again, baptism is just a work you do, and we don't work for our salvation? Anybody heard anybody say that before? Uh, and we've already read that baptism is a working of God, but when you understand that um, uh, the baptism, when you're talking about you know what you need to do, now, Jesus used baptize them. That's an active thing. But the person being baptized, that's a passive thing. This is just a, I am choosing to join Jesus. I'm going to be baptized uh, in this moment. And so uh, what we get there is we've got a transliteration. The translation is is very literally uh, to immerse. And so that's why we do this. And and thirdly, baptism is always, almost always used in the passive tense. And and it is when you're talking about this is what you need to do. You need to be baptized. Baptized. So, we talk about baptism. Again, I don't want to leave this, this sermon thinking, you know, this is, again, another checkbox thing. Baptism is a, is a point where I am, I am choosing right now to pledge my allegiance, to put my full trust, to put my full faith in Jesus Christ. It means so much more than being dunked in the water. It means I, I, am, I am saying right now, I'm going to follow him and whatever he says I'm going to do. Nobody should enter into it lightly. 
but also, uh, I don't want you to come away thinking that I've got to have it all together or I need, I need to uh, understand more or anything like that before I am baptized. Again, we could go to places like uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, and he's reading Scripture, he's reading the Old Testament, and trying to figure out, what does this say? And Philip, it says, Philip preached to him Jesus. And at the end of whatever they talked about, he's like, well, here's some water. What, what keeps me from being baptized right now? Philip's like, nothing. Let's do this. And, and so for a lot of us, we kind of, as we move away from the date of our baptism, as I mentioned, rebaptism, we can kind of question that. Did I know enough? No. Should you be rebaptized every year because of it? No. We go through life and we learn, and that's what Scripture has taught us. That's what we've talked about all last summer, growing closer and closer to God. And so as we grow, um, that, that's a great thing. I'm going to, I hope, grow and learn more this year than I knew last year. I shouldn't question my baptism, but I should, I should lean on what God has done and continues to do because I follow Him. That I have been clothed in Jesus, and because of that, I now stand with Jesus as my advocate. I don't know about you guys this morning, but that's what I want. That's what I need. To understand that Jesus paid it all, and he now stands saying, I've got it. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you, if you haven't been baptized, to, to think about this. This is the day to begin that walk with him. Just as we read in Acts 2, as the people said, all right, well, we understand uh, that Jesus was put to death on our behalf and we caused him to die. What do we do? And Peter says, repent of those sins and be baptized today. And you receive that gift of the Holy Spirit. And so I pray that for all of us here, if you haven't gotten a good relationship with Jesus and need to make that better, let's pray about it together. We've got a small group this morning. There's no pressure at all. We, we can circle up and, and encourage you uh, and help you along that walk. So we're going to offer a time of invitation uh, as Tyler comes and sees